I've kind of missed. It's good to be gathered and sing. We are slowly but surely getting better. The first time I had a message since this whole thing started, there was nobody here. I had children's lesson. Then there was a few. Now there's a few more, so... Is that better? Okay. So, it's good to be here and uh, worship God together, encourage each other. It kind of opened my eyes a little bit. What church is really, or a big part of church, is to encourage each other. You know, it, gets, it can get kind of long and discouraging not seeing fellow believers, and uh, it's encouraging to see each other and Hopefully we can continue to continue to uh, hope it get continues to get better. <clears throat> Why don't we have a word of prayer before I begin with a few thoughts that I have here? <clears throat> Dear Lord, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for this time that we can be together, looking into your Word. We can sing and worship you. Thank you for the privilege that we have in being able to get together and, and the privilege that we have in uh, having the word of God given to us, the, the living word, the word that is alive, that feeds our souls and draws us closer to you and gives us hope, gives us encouragement, peace and strength to uh, continue the fight that is so real today. Pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to tap into that river of living water Even in these times that uh, we may not be together much, help us not to put that on the back burner too, Lord, but that we would sense our need of you. And that we would sense our our desperation and we would cry out to you for help. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning I have a few thoughts. For some reason, I don't know, for those who have preached already, sometimes it is just hard work to find, to try to figure out what to say, and boy, last yesterday, that was for me, I don't know what it was, it just, things just didn't seem to come together, but Lord willing, we have, I have a few thoughts here that can be an encouragement to us in this time that uh, we are living. Um, I believe we are bombarded with waves that want to crash against our souls. And right now, the big one is this whole thing that is in everybody's forefront, the sight, this virus that seems to be going on. And I believe it can be a distraction to us and cause us to get our eyes on the things around us rather than the thing that we need or, or the sustenance of our spiritual life, which is drinking from that that fountain that never runs dry, and those are kind of the thoughts that I'd like to go down today. There are, as you probably have heard, all kinds of theories out there about this whole virus thing, and it is up to, it seems like, everybody's speculation. One of them was, they're blaming this 5G that they're wanting to introduce that could have caused it. There's a whole bunch of people that, ah, that's what it was. And they build their case on this new technology of high-speed Internet that's causing this virus. 
Another theory is that Bill Gates, one of the richest men in the world, came up with this idea so he could inject, or so he could uh, come up with a vaccine and then inject some Microsoft chip, and that, that's another theory that is out there, and that's what the coronavirus is about. There's another one about uh, how the virus escaped from a Chinese lab that was doing research on rat, uh, bats, and somehow it either accidentally or on purpose got out, and here we have the problem. That's another theory. Another one is that the U.S. military actually took it over to China and uh, introduced it there. That was kind of a new one that I didn't hear much about, but they're trying to say that the U.S. military was doing research on some. They wanted to start it there in China, and it, oops, it came over here. Another one is that somehow genetically modified or GMOs, somehow got to be blamed for this. The way they genetically modified seeds and, and uh, all this, that's another one. Another one I just recently heard, I was talking to a neighbor, and uh, he was pretty sure that there is nothing that exists like COVID-19. This was all a hoax by the government, and uh, it's, it's to bring a one-world ruling power and cause everyone to fear and look to government for answers. And that's one that he thinks that's what it is. There's nothing like it. Maybe there's some kind of flu, but it's not near as big as it's supposed to be. Another one is that this whole thing, the death rates are majorly inflated, and nothing is true that you can believe out there. So there's all kinds of theories, all kinds of speculations, all kinds of ideas out there what this pandemic that we have may be. So in a time like this, what should our response be? How should the people of God respond in a situation like this? When there's so many theories out there, there's so many ideas, and the thing that I see really happening in a lot of people is fear in their lives. They're scared of this. Now, I I want to put a little bit of a disclaimer in here that I believe we should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I think we do need to use, uh, you know, common sense and, and not just throw everything to the wind and say there's nothing like it. But I believe it behooves the people of God not to be given to fear. That something like this is causing in a lot of people's hearts an uncertainty. We have, a, we, have a, uh, we have a foundation that is secure. We have a God that knows exactly where this thing came from and what it's for. He has a reason for allowing this. And I don't think we should be given to fear in, uh, in this time. We should bring hope to the people around us. We should be like the salt that has not lost its savor. <laughs> We should, like Peter, when he stepped out of that boat, those waves around him were real, they were big, and they were bigger than him. They probably caused him trepidation. When he stepped out of the water, when he saw Jesus, Jesus asked him to come. But it wasn't until he got his eyes off of Jesus and looked at these things is when he began to sink. And those things began to overtake him. 
So I guess the, the challenge that came to me, or the thoughts that I was thinking about, is the source of our strength and the source of the living water or the water that we are drinking from. <clears throat> Where is it coming from? In John chapter 7, which you can turn there, I have a few verses I'd like to read. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 32. Kind of breaking in here. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, Jesus, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come. Then Jesus said, Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of sayings is this that he says, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me, and where I am, thither ye cannot come? In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that, believeth on, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Here there was a group of people that were looking to Jesus for their life and their strength. And he told them that I'm going to a place where you can't come and get me. I go into a place where you can't find me. But he said... If any man thirst, let him come and drink. And he said that the scripture hath said that out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now these two verses, Jesus proclaims himself to be the place where the living water is found. He is not only the living water. He is the place. He is the fountain. He is where it's produced. You know, a lot of times we don't often, when we go for a good drink, when we're hot and we want a good drink, we often think of this nice, cold cup of water. But we don't really think, we, go, we know where the place is. We'll go to the fountain where we need to, need to find, find that. Is that what we're doing in, our, in this time? Are we going to where we know this living water that we have been told is Jesus Christ? But it's also very important that we thirst. The Bible says in Matthew 5, um, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. We have to have that. We have to recognize our need. Jesus isn't just the living water, but he is found. He is the fountain where it is found, where it can be found. Throughout the New Testament, water for drinking is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit of God that comes to the sinners and shows him his need of salvation. John 16, verse 8 says, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It is the Holy Spirit that applies the word of God in conviction. Grieve not the Spirit, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of salvation. <clears throat> God wants us to be filled with this, this, uh, this fountain of everlasting life that uh, can be springing up from inside of us. Inside of us. And even in this time when we have these, these things 
that are that are ever pressing and want to draw our attention away. I think this, you know, I find myself sometimes spending time looking at all this stuff that's going on, and I begin to forget my need of to to drink from the fountain that never runs dry, and the fountain that truly satisfies. You can't find satisfaction in knowing everything that's going on and trying to figure some of this stuff out. Am I really drinking from that fountain? Do I see my need? And I have to admit, I don't like I need to. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The opening of the fountain. There has to be an opening up of the fountain before it feeds us. When we go to a, when we go to a faucet, it has to be opened up and we have, then we partake. A little bit like I'd like to t- use the example of the Word of God. We know this is the living Word of God. If we let it lay and don't open it up and partake, we'll run dry. This won't just come to us. we got to go to it and open it up. Like Jesus, when a well is open, it, require, it requires that the earth be opened up, when they drill a well, they dig a hole, they open it up, and they find water. When Jesus was hanging on Calvary, they opened him up, and blood and water flowed out. The price was paid. He opened up that fountain free for all. <clears throat> he allowed himself to be mocked, beaten, spit upon, crucified, so he could be opened up, so the water of the Spirit might flow freely to all of humanity's need. We need to understand that when he died there, when that fountain was opened up, he didn't deserve to die. He didn't die a bad man. He was dying so that he could go to heaven and he could pour out his spirit into us as Christians and make it available for us so we could live the Christian life and also so we could be with him in glory. Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This living water brings blessing. One of the blessings is the peace that passes all understanding, satisfaction that can't ever be found in the world. It brings blessing such as being saved from hell. The sinner is condemned and doomed before the Lord, but he that believeth on the Son of on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God. We can be justified. The soul that has placed its faith in Jesus for salvation needs never to fear of being lost again unless we turn our gaze on the things around us, the waves, and we begin to sink. Because salvation will change our life here and bring us into a place of blessing into the family of God, it also guarantees that when we go to heaven, we'll go to heaven when we leave this world. <clears throat> salvation comes from drinking from this well. I'd like to look at an example in John 4. When we turn to John 4, verse 
beginning in verse 6. This is when Jesus went to the well. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is that... How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. For whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave unto us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give unto him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me of this give me this water, that I may that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. Ye know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is his spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in truth, in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am he. And he came, and upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talketh with the woman. And yet no man said, What seekest thou? And, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. I think I'll stop reading there. <clears throat> the thing I wanted to point out here is this woman obviously was looking to the world for her satisfaction. She had five husbands and, I mean, she was living the pride of life, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And uh, she still did not find that living water, that true satisfaction. And Jesus told her, if you drink from the water that I have, you will never thirst again. Am I doing that? It's my question for myself. Am I drinking or am I looking to the things that seem should satisfy, that the world has to offer, answers that they think they might give me? Another thing Back in our uh, first verse, or our first passage there, notice that it had said that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, did you ever wonder why 
Jesus might have said that. A thought that I had was our our stomachs, actually every human or every uh, living being, the stomach is never really completely satisfied. You eat some, and then it's not long until you need, need to eat some more. It's never completely satisfied. But he uses this. He says from his belly that these rivers of living water shall flow, indicating there's a satisfaction there, I believe, that only comes from him. He can satisfy even that part of our body that nothing else can. We feed our belly, and soon after that, after a little bit, it cries for more. He will give us satisfaction for our most pressing needs. He abundantly satisfies. It gives us strength. The one who places their faith in Jesus Christ has tapped into a fountain of living water, never exhausted, and that abundantly satisfies. The water never stops as long as we're there drinking from it. It's when we turn our face or when we turn our, our, uh, our hunger that we have to something else is when we begin to falter in fear. It's refreshing. Just like a cold drink on a hot day is refreshing, so is this living water to us. You read the news or you see people around, they're distressed. We don't have to, we don't have to uh, partake of that. It's always there, constantly refreshing the life of the believer. <clears throat> and this water is the water that gives us power, joy, and hope. There's a lot of people that say, oh, they could never be a Christian. It's kind of a true statement. We can't really be Christians on our own. We have to realize our need of drinking from this fountain that never runs dry. However, when the Spirit of God lives in us and lives through us, He makes all things possible. Even Even in testing times when fear wants to destroy our confidence. When uh, the children of Israel were very thirsty, they went to that rock, and uh, Moses, I think one time he spoke to it, one time he hit it, and when that water came, it affected probably millions of people, however many people were there in the camp, millions of people. Is the water flowing out of my inner man, my being? Is it having an effect on the people around me? That's a lot of times a good a good uh, gauge. If it's having an effect, if the water that I'm drinking is from the news, it won't have a good effect on the people around us. It'll all be depressing. Even though, you know, but if we have that, that living water flowing from inner man, people say there's something different about him. And in times like these, it should show up the most. In times like these, when all else is failing, when the when the uh, when our when our ship is being torn to pieces, that doesn't mean that we aren't gonna we aren't gonna face trials and we are It's not gonna be hard, but something is different if we're drinking and if we're tapped into that fountain. When uh, when Moses opened that up, or when God opened that rock up, that was beyond human. It wasn't something just natural. It was the living water. You could so say, a miracle. And that's what we need to be for the people around us, a living miracle. 
water never stops as long as we're tapped in. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We realize that that's what makes the difference. The Bible is clear in many different areas that uh, this water that we are supposed to drink and partakers of forms a mighty river, and a lot of time a testimony follows. The Lord is saying, what the Lord is saying is that there will be a sufficient, sufficiency, sufficiently satisfied and that he will use us to reach others for his glory. Matthew 5, 6, I read, or I quoted this earlier. It says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for we shall be filled. It is a promise. It is not just if, it is we will be filled. And I think that's something that we all need to desire and need, need in our lives. And uh, coming together like this, encouraging each other in, uh, in church relationship, in church, church like this, I think is important for us to to uh, challenge each other if we're drinking from that, that the real fountain. There's many other fountains out there, just like all those other theories. There's, there's gobs of theories of what it may be, and if we make a diet of that, we won't, be the, we won't have the testimony to the people around us that we need to have and that Jesus, I, guess, I believe, wants us to have. <clears throat> so feeling our need... Of this, of this water is very important. Is our heart hungry today? Do you long for true peace and true satisfaction? And a, uh, do I feel my need, my thirst for the uh, living water? Jesus invites all who are thirsty to come unto him. Just like the children of Israel. When Moses said, here is water for all. I'm not sure the exact water, he, uh, the exact words he said. But it was there for everyone. And uh, we can't exhaust this fountain that is available and free to us. The invitation is to come. The availability is for any man. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 And the way is open. The fountain has been opened up. Jesus has made a way. The veil is rent. The... uh, the uh, access to Jesus is open for all those who believe and come to him in the heart of faith. We can't exhaust that. <clears throat> he loves us more than we could ever know, and he longs to save our eternal soul. But our requirement is to see our need and to come to him in faith. <clears throat> Otherwise, it won't work. I'd like to read Psalms 91 yet as a kind of a closing thought. There are many good things in here that kind of uh, reiterate my thought of dwelling in the secret place and uh, the promise that can come from that. Let's begin in verse 1. I think I'll read the whole chapter. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge 
and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. We don't have to be afraid. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. This little pestilence, we can't see it. We can't see where it's coming, where it's going. Uh, Nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon Upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon thee. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon the Lord. No, excuse me. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him. My salvation. What a wonderful promise for us that uh, he shall give his angels charge over, over us. And because his love was set upon him, therefore he will deliver us. And he will set him on high because he hath known my name. God knows us if we make him our refuge and our fortress and our living water that we need. So may that be an encouragement for us as we go in, uh, in these days. And you know, I don't know, I mean, what all this plays in, in uh, end times, but we know that the end is going to be bad. And we need to find our satisfaction and our, our uh, not to give in to fear because there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be turbulence, but God is alive and uh, he has what we need if we drink from that fountain. So that's a, that was a challenge for me. Am I opening the fountain up, or am I? Do I just know where it is? But the challenge is to open it up and let it flow into my my life. So may God bless. Um, hopefully, that's an encouragement for us all.